In your book, The Tree of Us, uh, you talk about three people. Does tree refer to the three? Is, or what, what's the meaning of the title? It's a little play on words. There are three boys who were born in Richford. John D. Rockefeller, who most people will know, was once the richest man in the world. A second person named Gurdon Waddles, who became a multimillionaire, friends with five U.S. presidents. And then the third one is kind of my memoir. This is Charles Yapel, retired professor from SUNY Cortland, New York. I taught in the realm of environmental and outdoor education for 46 years. We're going to be talking about my book, Foxy Brown, Jacob Land, and the last book is The Tree of Us. This is the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore, Charles Yapel, Professor Emeritus at SUNY Cortland, lives in Marathon, New York. Uh, we're going to talk with him. He, he does have uh, three books, Foxy Brown, uh, but we're going to start with a, a, a book that's called Jacob's Land and also hope to get into The Tree of Us. But Jacob's Land is uh, history, uh, Charles. You uh, talk about your family coming to America and uh, settling in New York State? Yeah. The book is uh, New York in the Revolutionary War. And really, uh, Bob, it focuses on the competing players for the land in New York State. And so the story is told, as you indicated, by following my immigrant family's journey. Also, the journey of Joseph Brandt, the Haudenosaunee uh, slash Iroquois peoples, and their struggle to keep the land. And then the third player was the young state of New York. Simeon DeWitt was the surveyor general, and he had ideas about what should happen to those lands formerly inhabited for centuries by the native peoples. Where did your people come from? They were German, came over in 1750 and settled in Reading, Pennsylvania, and then migrated up to the Margaretville, New York area to the west of Kingston. And, and then after the war, they went to get lands taken from the native people and became the first settlers in what now is the city of Ithaca. Really? Yep. Why, when they were in Alt what is Ulster County, the place near, near Kingston, why did they pick that area? And what was that area like during the revolution? Were they there during the American Revolution? Oh, yes. Uh, the story gets into how the... The Warren parties burned the village out, and they had to flee for their lives. That's where they were during the uh, the whole Revolutionary War itself. And there was a lot of not knowing who was who, right? I mean, it was hard to tell who was on what side in those days. Well, a dangerous time to live. You you never knew if if your neighbor was uh, siding with King George the Third and the Tories or. <laughs> with uh, George Washington and the, the Patriots. And the story gets into spying and despicable things that people did to one another. What were some of the despicable things? Raids, taking captives. For example, captives from the uh, Margaretville area might be taken all the way to Fort Niagara on the 
uh, Lake Erie. And if you were an older person and you didn't keep up with the march, um, you would be tomahawked and gone. Uh, and of course, we all know about the scalping issues on both sides. Um, horrible things were done. But then when the war ended, your family, and what were they, uh, and your your name is uh, Yapel, uh, were they Yapels or did they have a different different name? They were Yapels. The name in German originally was Jabel, and when immigrants came, very often uh, when they checked into the country, uh, names were misspelled. Jabel became Americanized to Yapel. Okay. There are different spellings of the name. If it's Yapel, it goes right back to uh, Philip Henry, the, the first Yapel to come to America. Your family members, the Yapels, were they fleeing something in, in Europe? I mean, were they under uh, pressure in Europe and that's why they came to America? No, they they were they were pursuing the American dream. Uh, l- land was uh, free for the taking or very cheaply to obtain. And so that was their way to make a better life for themselves, get land, work hard, make it productive, and you could become uh, a wealthier person. And again, this um, a book that you've written is historical. It's not a historic no- novel, and it's called Jacob's Land. You said that after the revolution uh, ends, uh, I mean, the treaty, I believe, of Paris comes in 1783, the Yapels have to, or they, I don't know if they have to, but they they in fact leave uh, the Margaretville area. Why was that, and uh, how did they end up going over to what became Ithaca? Well, once the war was over, the native lands were, were being divvied up, and the state of New York was encouraging settlers to go into those native lands to the west, the Finger Lakes, and all the way to Lake Erie, and create communities which built the state. Uh, if, if you think about it, the resources, the agricultural and the forest products that came out of those native lands after 1783 propelled New York to become known as the Empire State. It set the stage for industry and all those sorts of things. All well and good, but what happened to the natives? Well, Simeon DeWitt, the surveyor general, had had his fill of native peoples and raids and so forth, and so the reservation system was established. That's the unfortunate part of the story. And in general, I mean, we had the same Indian nation up here in the Mohawk Valley that you're you're talking about, Joseph Brandt and the Mohawks mm-hmm. or the Haudenosaunee. Yep. But um, they had allied themselves with Britain. Uh, they thought they were getting a better deal from Britain, and now in all honesty, they probably were. Uh, there was a fellow up here named Sir William Johnson who uh, was the yep. Indian agent, and he was generally seen as more fair than most uh, Caucasians to the to the natives. W- was that the same kind of dynamic down in uh, the uh, Margaretville area that the 
uh, Mohawks or the uh, Joseph Brandt Indians were uh, were siding with the British? Yes, they did. And at the time, it seemed like a, a, a good choice. But the, the Native people and those resource-rich lands that they had uh, were going to be taken from them, whether the British had prevailed or the American patriots prevailed. Um, the, the land was just too valuable. And so I, they were between a rock and a hard place, I think, no matter which way they turned. Mm-hmm. Well, again, let's get Jacob's uh, family over to uh, Ithaca. I mean, they, did they call it Ithaca when they got there, or what? what uh, how was that settled? No, um, the name Ithaca didn't come in uh, for a while after the settlement. Um, so they more or less took over uh, Native American lands uh, when they arrived at the end of Cuga Lake. Um, they found uh, that the Native people had been farming and so forth. And so it made it fairly easy to set up their own settlement. Uh, the name Ithaca came later on when Simeon DeWitt um, and uh, one of his associates uh, started uh, carving up the, the, the counties and so forth. And so you ended up with um, Willett and Cortland and other sorts of uh, names that came from Simeon DeWitt's effort to put boundaries on different counties and so forth. Yeah. Well, uh, certainly in upstate New York, we're known for using a lot of classical names like Ithaca. Uh, that was a name from ancient Greece and Troy and Utica and uh, all these other, other other names that they were just applied to sections of, of upstate New York. Yes, uh, that was the whim, I believe, of uh, one of the officers in Simeon DeWitt's uh, office in Albany. Um those uh, Greek names and so forth. Of course, the big deal in Ithaca, it seems to me, is Cornell University. When did that come along? Not until 1840s, 1850s, I believe. I might be off on the dates a little bit, but it was quite some time before Cornell University uh, got established. What did your ancestors, the uh, Yapels, uh, do with the land that they had and what we have come to call Ithaca? What uh, what use did they make of it? The first thing that Ithaca was a very desirable uh, place because of the uh, waterfalls and so forth. And so uh, water power was very important. So the first thing the settlers did, including my ancestors, is they built a water-powered sawmill and grist mill. People needed a place to have their corn uh, ground to make meal and so forth. And they also needed um, lumber products to build with. And so uh, any place that had a year-round running stream very quickly was dammed up, a sawmill put up, and into the forest they went. Uh-huh. Uh, Jacob's Land is the name of uh, of the book. It's been out for some time and it had a good reception, did it not, Charles? Yes, I've been very honored with some of the 
all of the reviews actually, if one goes to Amazon.com, they can see them. Uh, the book received a, uh, a 10, one out of 10 rating from the Journal of the American Revolution. So, yeah, um, that book's very close to my heart, and I'm happy with the way it turned out. Charles Yapel, author of the book Jacob's Land. Now, is this the subtitle, Revolutionary War Soldiers, Schemers, Scoundrels, and the Settling of New York's Frontier? That's the whole title. And as I indicated earlier, the, the intrigues that went on between the different players um, did result in some of them being schemers and downright dirty, rotten scoundrels. I see. And now you have a, a newer book than, than that. Your, your, your newest uh, uh, book is just out. And, and this is, well, not completely different, but it's different. It's called The Tree of Us. It's about a place called Richford, New York, which uh, sent me to the Internet and uh, Wikipedia. I'd never heard of Richford, New York. Tell, where is Richford, New York? Richford, New York is between Ithaca and Binghamton on Route 79, and it's uh, part of the original Catskill Turnpike which was the way settlers after the revolution um, got from the eastern part of the state into the Finger Lakes. So at one time, it was a very, very busy little community. Um, it was a crossroads of Route 38 and Route 79. In your book, The Tree of Us, uh, you talk about three people. I might ask you about that. Is you, the tr tr Why does tree refer, does tree refer to the three? Is, or what, what's well, the meaning of the title? It's a little play on words. Uh, there are three boys uh, who were born in Richford. Uh, John D. Rockefeller, who most people will know, was once the richest man in the world. A second person named Gurdon Waddles, who became a multimillionaire, friends with five U.S. presidents. And then the third one is kind of my memoir. You keep it a little uh, sec a secret in the publicity for this, for this book. I said, <laughs> asked you about it, and you said, oh, the third one is me. It's you? <laughs> what have you done? Well, the reader will have to decide if what I'm leaving behind was of any worth. But, Bob, the, the story is really about uh, searching for your groove in life finding meaning, purposeful things to do, and leave behind something that's a little bit better for the world. And so uh, I studied Rockefeller and Waddles, and at the end of their lives, they discovered that they were happiest when they were close to the land, among the trees. And so... I use their stories to promote a land ethic that what is most important for us is to find our purpose in life, do all the good that we can, and leave behind a planet where those who follow us have the same opportunities. If I could, I'd like to follow through on a, 
uh, on Rockefeller and Waddles. I mean, mm -hmm. I've heard of John D. Rockefeller, but I have no idea he came from this very small town in upstate New York. And he came from a very big family, didn't he? He did. And it was a rather infamous family. And readers of the book will find um, the stories about John D.'s father, Devil Bill Rockefeller, quite interesting. And so uh, John D. became uh, a staunch Christian and um, always tried to hide kind of the negative side of, uh, of his father and so forth. So it's kind of interesting reading. John D. Rockefeller was big in the oil business, is my understanding, and kerosene and, and products of, of that nature made tons of money um, and maybe wasn't the shall I say, nicest person in the world, but he, was, he made tons of money. But toward the end of his life, he and the other big capitalists became benefactors. They started foundations in particular uh, that uh, tried to find the answer to um, questions of disease. And he, start, he started uh, research projects. Yeah, the, the, the Rockefeller Foundation, as you are alluding to, has done fantastic things in the realm of uh, promoting human health and so forth. And John D. created a lot of environmental damage uh, in making his fortune, but his son, John D. Rockefeller Jr., became one of the largest philanthropists promoting the creation of parks and wild places in, in the United States. So mm -hmm. the reader will have to decide how they want to evaluate John D. Rockefeller's life. You know, I don't know a ton about John D. Rockefeller, but certainly the name uh, uh, strikes a bell. But Gurdon Wallace Waddles, he had something to do with Hollywood? Yes. Uh, Gurdon's story um, is a rags-to-riches uh, sort of story, the uh, Horatio Algier thing, uh, Civil War era, uh, poverty, father goes off to war, they move from Richford to Iowa and homestead it, go through all those hardships, and Girdle starts with nothing, works his way through school, becomes a banker and multimillionaire and gets involved with uh, a lot of projects involving uh, President um, McKinley and Roosevelt, Theodore, uh, Taft, um, Wilson, and Hoover, five U.S. presidents. This poor little Richford boy eventually um, becomes associated with. And then Gurdon, later in life, uh, moves to Los Angeles and Los Angeles, and uh, is influential in starting the motion picture industry. Really, quite, quite, qu quite, quite a leap from poor little Richford boy to uh, to, to those kinds of associates uh, that Gurdon had. Well, we have about five minutes left. What about you, Charlie Yapel, uh, from? Well, from Richford, New York. What what have you done? Well, one of the reasons I wrote the book is 
I wanted to encourage people to find their groove. Don't settle just for a job and a paycheck. Find something in life that has purpose and meaning to you and does some good for the world. So my story is about a boy growing up from a pretty poor family um, and struggling to find his purpose in life. And so I'm hoping that my story will be encouraging to readers to, to not give up. And even later in life, think about the good that you can do. And so you don't have to become rich and famous to leave something behind of worth. But find it, is what I'm saying. So, Bob, I, I think the book is, I kind of thought maybe it was the kind of book that older people might want to read. But I think it's really a book that young people ought to read because they can learn from Rockefeller's journey, from Waddle's journey, about uh, perseverance and struggling against the odds. Find your purpose and meaning in life. Okay. Now, I'm still trying to find out what you find as the meaning of life. You work well, as a um, professor at Cortland, yeah. uh, SUNY Cortland State University at, at Cortland, and you were a professor, it says here, of recreation parks and leisure studies. Is that yeah. uh, f Was that fulfilling for you? Yes, but I really was an environmental educator, and so that was how I found my niche. I read a book uh, by Aldo Leopold called A Stan County Almanac, and it was all about a land ethic and how we humans had to learn how to live with the land and not uh, uh, being a, a part away from it. He said, mm -hmm. a thing is right when it tends to preserve the integrity stability, and beauty of the biotic community. It is wrong when it tends otherwise. Huh. What, what are you saying, biotic community? Yeah, the, the natural world, natu the biotic community, the living world. Hmm. And so that kind of, it was uh, sort of an, uh, an epiphany. I, when I read that as a graduate student, I knew that's the path I wanted to follow. And if people read the book, they'll see the kind of things that led me into uh, playing a, a role in creating the Lime Hollow Nature Center in Cortland and teaching for 46 years. And my books, Bob, are all three of them are about human relationships with the land and the need for us to protect the land. We've been talking with uh, Charles Yapo. Uh, there's yet another book that, that you've uh, written. Uh, we only have a minute or two left, but tell us a bit about Foxy Brown. Uh, Foxy Brown was my, my first book, and I went on a kayaking trip with my brother into the Adirondacks, and we paddled up Fall Stream, had a great time. And on the way home, I saw a map. And on the map, way back in the West Canada Lake Wilderness, was a phrase, Foxy Brown Hermitage. 
And I couldn't figure out what that was about. And it led me to discover this man, David Brennan, who got the nickname Foxy Brown, and who was an Adirondack guide and a questionable character. (laughs) And so I wrote the book to tell his story, but also I made it a novel so the average reader could learn conservation history. So Foxy Brown is about the beginning of the conservation movement in New York State, as well as about this character who uh, lived back as a hermit. So we have uh, Foxy Brown, also The Tree of Us, and your uh, first book, out of Jacob's Land, about your uh, family's arrival in America. Uh, Charlie Yapel of Marathon, New York, Professor Emeritus of Recreation Parks and Leisure Studies at State University of New York at the College at Cortland. Bob, it's time for the History Mystery, doing this every week these days. Mm-hmm. And it says here, oh, I'm Dave Green. That's a matter of, matter of fact. Yes, you are. Yeah. One of the topics today was John D. Rockefeller. There were a lot of Rockefellers, but we're talking John D. Rockefeller. At one point, here, here's where, where he stands out. At one point, the richest man in the world, you understand. He's been replaced by several who have far succeeded him. But anyway, did the question here is, in the history mystery portion of this, did Rockefeller's family have French roots, German roots, Russian or English roots? You know, tracing the family tree backward. The answer in just a moment. Thanks to all the people who donated to the Historian's Podcast Annual Fund Drive, but we still have a long way to go. Please donate online. You go to our website, bobcudmore.com, press the blue button for our GoFundMe campaign, or write a check to me, Bob Cudmore, mail the check to 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, one two three zero two please help us with the historians podcast fund drive back to our question genealogists say john d rockefeller had german roots tracing the family's origin to johann peter rockefeller of altvied in what today is germany their family settled first in America in Germantown, Pennsylvania. Before we go, something from Focus on History, my column in the Daily Gazette and the Amsterdam Recorder. The column was about Sam Goldwyn, one of the hard-driving moguls who built the movie industry in the 20th century. Did you know he lived in Gloversville as a young man? He was born in Warsaw, Poland's Jewish ghetto about 1879, and his birth name was Shmuel Gelbfiz, and that quickly became Shmuel Goldfish. Uh, Goldfish came to the United States, possibly by way of Canada, in 1898. Sam Goldfish, as he was known by then, had learned the glove trade in Europe, and heard Gloversville uh, was a center for that business 
and that many Jewish glove cutters live there. So, making a long story short, he started there as a sweeper in one of the glove mills, ended up uh, cutting gloves, but found the real money was in selling gloves. He moved the sales office of a glove factory in Gloversville to New York City, and that's where Sam Geldfish, or Sam Goldfish by then, uh, changed his name to Goldwyn, Sam Goldwyn, and that's where he encountered the motion picture industry. Charles Yapel has been our guest, a professor emeritus at SUNY Cortland. We talked with him about two of his books, Jacob's Land and The Tree of Us. The Historian's Podcast is produced by Dave Green. I'm Bob Cudmore.